Hey, this is Chris McLernan from Panic Boom, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Yeah, so now that the uh, the single revolution is out, how do you feel about it? And are you satisfied with the outcome? Um, feel good about it, satisfied with the outcome for sure. Um, the thing I'm amazed most is that Randy wrote the lyrics 25 years ago and uh, didn't change a word. And they're still relevant. They don't feel like a time capsule. Right. So they still feel fresh and still... Yeah, yeah. Which because, I mean, you know, not everything ages well. And you wonder if just because you think it's cool at the time, um, you know, uh, there's stuff. Let's pick anything else from 19. Let's say we did that all that writing pretty much in 96, 95. Uh, if you pluck 10 songs from that era, you know, how many still sound OK? Modern, you know, they sound like they fit now. And how many are like, whoa, that's uh, that's got a timestamp on it. You know, so that didn't happen here. Did you, um, when you were putting this up, putting this together, are you taking any more from the back catalog or are you just all writing new stuff going forward from here? I'd say it's about half and half. Um, the stuff we felt uh, strongly about from the first half, we're keeping um, and reworking a few, but um, it's, there's, I'd say there, we got, we got a lot, but what's going to go on the record is I think about 11 so I'd say five are, five are new and five are, uh, five are old. I assume you were writing these, these tunes during the last couple of years and all uh, the shit we've been all been going through. Do you find that that not only colored it, but actually made it a little bit cathartic as well? Um, yeah, I think the catharsis was good, especially for, let's say, let's go back to Randy, who, who hadn't been singing. He, Randy was... I would follow him on Instagram and he was, you know, doing stuff for GoPro and they're riding mountain bikes and surfing and right. snowboarding and doing stuff. It wasn't anywhere near a microphone. So when Phil suggested we do this, um, I was like, well, is Randy singing? <laughs> and so Phil got a hold of Randy. He's like, I haven't been singing, but I'll give it a shot. And, uh, and it was great. So certainly cathartic for him. Um, for me, I think and everybody else, it was a matter of relief and satisfaction that we were able to resolve uh, where the band had started and really kind of give it a nice final polish. Um, because uh, in 96, well, all we had was uh, our, basically our demos, um, which were varying quality because, you know, demos are scratch pads, you know, it's, it's demonstration. That's what they're short for. So <laughs> some, of them sound, some of them sound like, you know, here, picture this, you know, and some are much clearer. So um, the, the ones that, uh, I like the most of the ones watching go through the transformation. The music business has changed quite a bit since uh, you've been in this quite a long time now, since the nineties. Um, what's it like? Trying oh, yeah. to, what's it like trying to release new music, uh, even a record in this new, I guess, reinvented music climate. Uh, a lot of it's much easier. Uh, like for example, in our case, we got five guys who are spread out all over the country, but we can record our parts and send them to each other via the net edit, Let's say I have an idea and I go, hey, man, what about this? And I chop it up because you can edit it like a Word document and send the audio back. And Phil will go, oh, yeah, OK, cool. That's right. Can you do this? And I can change something. So that's fantastic and fantastic. And you can release this stuff yourself. Um, whereas in the old days, if you were on a major and you were going to release an album, pretty much you were a regional star. So that meant you had X amount of fans and you could release probably a single 
that was on vinyl. Uh, certainly, if you were really killing, you, you could do a record. Now, complete opposite. You know, my son's band, he's 21. He's already put out his first record, and um, it's vinyl, uh, digital download. I don't know if they're doing CDs, but they're going to do cassettes, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Um, could, could not have done that in 1996, you know, easily, as easy as it is now. The, the flip side is the market is saturated. Yes. You know, the bar, to, the bar to entry is much, it's on the floor, you know. It's easy to get stuff out there. Anybody can get something on Spotify, whereas the old days, to get signed to a major was uh, an, an accomplishment. You know, it really was. There, there was a definite caste system to getting that stuff done. And Pure I, bad. Yeah. And I think, though, that you, you sacrifice a, a, as well. It's a give and take because you don't have the, the full release. I mean, you're getting everybody wants content and they want to consume it in three minute increments like a single a month or a single every six weeks. And you got to be as a musician or an artist, you got to be constantly in that, in that fray of putting new stuff out. Otherwise you get, like you just said, lost in that massive crowd. Right. 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 It's much more like the fifties and sixties model where you single, 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 maybe EP or single, 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 then you do a record, but the, the, the ability to record an album and release it was based on your success as a singles artist, you know, um, so that that's definitely changed. Um, but the the writing process, um, like when we do it, typically you get everyone in the room and come up with a, a lump of songs, do it all at once, and then put those lumps of songs out all at once. So, um, the cool part is you have a level of uniformity generally to the approach. Um, the cool part about doing singles and bits and pieces are um, you can kind of mold one to each release. However, you might get something really wacky when you go from track one to track eight. So we're, we're trying to keep it like, okay, everything stays with kind of, kind of within this, this frame, but um, not, not totally constrained, like, you know, like a Ramones record where it's like three, four instruments and that's it. Right. And we talk about this a lot on the show too. I think something is also lost in the, the sequencing as an art, right? I mean, you took those songs and oh, yeah. I mean, you spent time, lots of time, figuring out the, the mood of the record and the ebbs and flows. And you don't get that at all now, right? You just get, here's my four minute video. Here's the one I thought of first. And then here's the one I thought of second. And they don't necessarily go to, it might be the, the you know, you come up with a love song first. <laughs> whole, right. whole album's going to be love. I mean, you know, let's take, looking at your shirt, let's take Van Halen for uh, an example. They brought back Ted Templeman. There you go. They brought Ted Templeman back on, I think it was, it was either Balance or uh, For Unlawful. And, and they thank he had he did the sequencing. Ted did the sequencing. Okay. So it, yeah. you are dead right. It's an important skill. T- imagine like Queen's Night at the Opera. Just you know, throw the tracks up in the air. You know, hit shuffle and play. You're gonna be like, what is going on here? You know, the whole mood of so many records that I can think of are would drastically change if you did anything like that. So I think that's sort of missing. In you know, I have kids your, your son's age as well, and I think it's missing. And I don't know if it's good totally or bad. Agree. It's just, you know, how I grew up, I guess, and kind of nostalgia for it. Oh, totally. Totally builds the mood. And in those days as well, and this is what I'm trying to do, at least with the sequencing on the boom record, is I'm picturing it like a record where you get halfway and then you change the mood again. So you start, boom, out of the gate, and then you kind of do this and then bring it kind of down a little bit or maybe like crazy, stop, start again, do it, do some sort of pattern again, and then end on a banger, you know? That's interesting. When you guys are, when you're writing, are you writing like 
the way the songs are going to come across on stage in front of a crowd? Or are you writing a song just for the song's sake? Song for the song's sake. Because you figure nine times out of ten, someone's going to hear the song before they'd ever see the band. Gotcha. But you're not so, worried about like how certain parts are going to come across like this would be a good spot for a, a breakdown or a jump or, a, or whatever. Uh, I think that's, that kind of comes naturally once you start writing. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a good question in the sense that maybe that's so ingrained in our uh, writing process, meaning the, the physical aspect of it, of what you would be doing at that time. Yeah. I mean, I know just speaking selfishly that I will, I will modify bass parts uh, around my vocal. So I don't, and I, I noticed Getty Lee does this too. It's where I kind of learned it in McCartney as well. And Phil Linett, same thing, where they'll, they'll um, simplify the bass part while they're singing and then do the cool little lick when there's no vocal. So that, that is, that is definitely taking the show into account. No doubt. Oh yeah, absolutely. What do you guys have planned? Are you able to get out on the road with this or is it too early or? Uh, probably a little too early right now. Um, just because, uh, we have one record. We will have one record, so it kind of limits the catalog. Right. Um, but we've talked about doing um, uh, a streaming show. Oh, that's kind of cool. And streaming yeah. streaming now might be good because there's not a, a flood of streamers, right? Like there were a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Or everyone was home. Right. And I now think- everyone's on the road. Right. Man, I, I've been doing podcasts all day and everybody I've talked to has been on a bus or in a van somewhere today trying to make up yeah. the last couple of years. And I mean, they're all com- got the same problems like there's too many shows in a, in a city because you've got to right. People got fans got to decide, hey, I, I can't go. I can't physically be in three places at once tonight. You've never had anything like that before, I don't think. No, no. And imagine trying to plan the tour because normally you'd go and let's say you're playing um, Washington and you're going to play the American Theater. Well, now there's four bands competing for that spot, whereas a year ago, five years ago, maybe one, you know? Right. So you wouldn't have to worry about it. But now there's only so many venues. Right. It's crazy. I know I'm looking just ahead here in the 31st of this month. There's like three massive shows that I've been waiting to see for years. They're on the same night and they're, I don't know, (laughs) away from each other. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell do I'm going to do here? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's got to be affecting the bands economically, too, because the, that dollar can only go to one spot. Right. And merch and not just tickets, but you're looking at merch in that city. And with gas being the way it is now, it's it's going to be a, an interesting go. Sure is. Oh, yeah. Tour buses don't they don't sip on gasoline. No, no. But even bands pulling trailers. I mean, you know, playing small shows, you got to be hustling or yeah, willing yeah. to gamble. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're eating a whole lot less to fill up that tank now. Yep. I think that on the on the other side of the coin, though, I think on the upside of this, we're going to see like a, a massive creative renaissance or artistic renaissance, right? Because so many people have been locked up for a year and a half, two years working on that craft. And not just music, you're going to see art. I think everybody's like been really honing in on their craft and now it's going to be an explosion, Totally agree. I mean, again, if I go personally, I have the boom record. Um, I have, I have a surf project. So I've got that. Um, I put out the fourth one about a year ago, but the, I have a fifth one ready to go. Um, and then I have a, uh, another project that's um, got the one record is done. It's just not out yet. And I have the second one written completely. And I'm in the process of writing the third. And that's just me, you know, imagine 
there's got to be a hundred other people like me doing the same thing. Right. And a lot of it's going to be like really good, right? Because everybody's had time to really, you didn't have to worry about that cycle of tour quickly record and get back on tour to make money. You've actually had a lot of time to really do it and do it right. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the event like with the boom stuff. I send these guys, they'll, they'll say, uh, when are we going to hear something? I'll go, eh, not yet. And I'll send them like, it'll say reversion or revision like two. Right. And then um, they'll listen to it and send back this stuff. And here's what we think about it. And then all of a sudden, a week later, they'll get an- another one. It says revision eight. And they're like, what happened? <laughs> well, the other one's like, right. I didn't let you hear. <laughs> you know, it was just ideas I had. I was like, eh, I don't know if I like that one or not. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it'll, it allows you the luxury of refinement to be sure it's going to be wonderful i'm I'm actually looking forward to uh seeing what happens in the next six months to a year yeah me too cool because because that's always inspiring too and you know it gets the competition going yeah oh yeah absolutely and it leveled the playing field too totally did yeah yeah you're gonna find out who had ideas and who didn't (laughs) right but it also gives the i think the younger not as experienced bands, almost the same footing, right? Because everybody's coming out the gate and everybody's got use of this technology now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting is the bands are much more aware of the technology where um, that wasn't really much of a function 20 years ago. It was usually left at the engineers and the producers and that. So there might be one guy who was really into it. Right. Maybe. Um, but now it's rare to find, let's say, a four-piece band where everyone doesn't have Pro Tools or Logic or right. Reaper, or something where they're all recording and sending their ideas around. Right, even in the bus. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's very, yeah. very yeah. interesting. So what's next for Panic Boom? Um, s- second single, uh, I think, is going to be out this month, and it's called Keep It To Myself. That's already done, mixed, ready to go. We just got to master and get that one ready. Um, literally going to be working on um, uh, another one this afternoon, adding some, let, again, back to the revision. I was like, you know what? I hear something, whereas, you know, uh, uh, I might hear something again in a, in a day or two and add that as well. <laughs> um, so it's, it's um, and I need some tracks from Phil because, you know, he, uh, he again, listened to his part and go, let me get, let me change it for you. Let me get it to you. But otherwise, all guitars and vocals are done for everything. So now it's just going through it and mixing one, two, three, four at a time again. And some will be easier than other. Like Revolution's got a lot of moving parts. Right. I mean, the guy who mastered it, um, he's like, geez, this thing's got the kitchen sink on it. And I was like, well, you know, got to keep it interesting. So, but some songs aren't like that. Some some are more, you know, boom, get it done. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to be subtle, you know. Not everything's got to be Bohemian Rhapsody. Sometimes it can be Ace of Spades. Oh, I absolutely agree. You need it all ends of the spectrum there for sure. Yep. So uh, you said you continue writing so we can look forward to new music as we go along and then maybe something out on the road in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think when we counted last, we had two full albums worth of stuff. And we all agreed to stop writing. Right. And because otherwise it's, you know, here, try this one, here, try this one. I'm like, dude, I'm in the middle of mixing this one. It's awesome. I love it. But, you know, you feel like an overworked fry cook. Right. You're just like, okay, I get it. You know, it's a rush. It's a lunch hour. Jesus. You know, right. Because creativity can show up whenever, you know, here it is. And you don't want to say, no, I don't send me that idea. I'll send it. Just put put it on the pile. Just put it on the pile. Excellent. Well, that's all I, that was all of my questions. Did I miss something you wanted to cover? I know I meandered a bit. 
that's <laughs> okay. I'm the king of meandering. Um, don't worry about that. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's the cool part about the boom thing is that it started 30 years, 25 years ago, whatever it was. And, um, and we really got ahead of steam. And then Saigon came off one of its hiatus, as I like to call them, you know, it's a plural of hiatus. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so Phil and I went to, back to do that. And um, this stuff got kind of left by the wayside. And uh, we were all really into it. Um, but uh, it was the, the, the ability, thanks for technology and everyone being alive, that helps. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, you know, sounds kind of snarky, but at this age, anything's possible. Um, we could have lost somebody, but we did not. And then Ra- and having Randy sound like Randy did, if not better uh, on the vocals, you know, uh, 25 years ago. Um, it's so much fun to pick it right back up and just like, it's like taking the pause button and going, dink, and just starting right where we left off. I mean, everything just boom, moving. It's cool. It's really I cool. I, I know I said I had no more, but you just uh, brought up something. Um, ever imagine you'd still be doing this? Yeah, go ahead. 30 years later, I guess, almost 30 years later. With them? With anything. You ever imagine you'd still be in the business somewhere making music and being relevant? Yeah. Well, it's always a question if you're relevant or not, right? You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you always wonder that, especially if you have kids, right? Yeah, you know, that's cool, Daddy. Yeah, I really want to hear about Van Halen again. Yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Um, well, one, when I left um, the band, when I left Saigon, um, I came to Charleston and ran the family business for a couple of years and uh, loved it, but it was not answering to who I am, which is I'm a musician. That's what I do. Uh, it's who I am. It's how I, you know, walk the earth and uh, the market and ability to do stuff for TV was just blooming. So I got into that for 10, 15 years. So I was doing that the entire time. Um, writing, producing, meeting those, those deadlines for, you know, major networks and all that stuff, which was a huge help, huge, um, and had no idea it would be relevant later, but here we are back to relevance again. Here we are. Um, so that was, did I think I'd be in bands again? No. Um, because that's a young man's game, frankly. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some rare ones like the ones behind you there who are still able to do it. But, you know, for every one of them, there's, you know, 16 that are not able to do it um, for one reason or another. Maybe just because they don't want to because they got um, hit in the head by what the the business is like. Um, Talking to a friend of mine who just they were uh, referring, I think, to Kurt Cobain. It's like, you know, what do you think happened there? I said, I didn't know the guy, but it just seemed like being that big was just not who he was. Um, And he couldn't handle it. It's, It's he's not the only story like that. You know, so I mean, it happens in TV, it happens in movies. It's just, um, some people just go, you know what, this is not what I want to do. And they move on to other things. Um, but, and and I did that for a while, but I came back to it because it was just like, no, this is definitely who I am, but I didn't have to be a rock star. Right. I think, and I'll let you go after this, but I think music gets in you once it, if it gets in you early, it gets in your, your soul and your very essence. And then you can't escape it no matter how hard you try. In some yep, yep. or another, it's going to show up. I think. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, I mean, it's 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 who you are, and it's your craft. And sometimes you get like uh, a friend of mine, Jamie St. James, said, "Look, man, fame and money is that's an accident. You know, yeah. this is who we are. This is what we do. 
So, and the crazy thing is you're sold the dream about the fame and the money. Right. And you see your peers, some of them hit it, you know, and you're just like, good God. And sometimes it hits you, but um, it's, it can be fleeting too. You know, just like, it's like fashion, like boop, you're out of there. And uh, that can be tough to take too. So you, you ask yourself that question, well, am I in it for the fame and the money? And sometimes, yeah, that's <laughs> sure. Why not? But sometimes it's, Nope. You know, I'm at the gym and I'm thinking, well, that's a cool riff. You know, I start right. playing it and thinking, you're, you're, that's in you. you you're stuck. Man. Yep. That's in your DNA. You're not getting that one out. Yep. Well, that's all I've got, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time and sorry about the uh, whatever kind of glitch we had, but I'm glad we made no it. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate your time. Good luck with the, Absolutely. Good luck with the next portion here or the next part of the road, and we'll talk to you soon. Good. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. You too. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.